0: hello and welcome to life beyond the numbers the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life we live in a world largely driven by numbers logic and reason but how we feel at work and about our work impacts us our organizations and society There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michielan, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique. helpful to know that there are others who think like we do or have had struggles too or have gone where we want to go or can show us things we didn't know so join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights stories and strategies to inspire you to let your Welcome to episode 164 of Life Beyond the Numbers, and this episode is going out on the last Saturday of February 2024. Now, there is just under three months to go before my book gets published. Leading Beyond the Numbers, How Accounting for Emotions Tips the Balance at Work, is almost through all the different stages of publication woohoo! and it will be off to the printers before long. It is available for pre-order already so if you'd like to check it out you can have a look on well Amazon, any of the big or online book retailers both in the US and in the UK possibly in other countries too but I definitely know it is available in those countries. And that's all really exciting because obviously it's gone from an idea in my head to a book. I can't wait to hold the paper copy in my hands. I'm not sure when that will be, but I guess it will be sometime in late April or early May. And then, like I said, it launches in the middle of May. Haven't quite figured out what I will do about that, like what kind of launch I will do, but I will definitely keep you posted. And because it is all book, book, book for me at the moment, I thought I would read a couple of passages from the book today and talk about how this book came to be. It's always interesting to look back and reflect on the different strands of where the ideas came from and how they merged together. And hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because sometimes when we're in the middle of it, we don't always see where everything comes from. And actually, I think with writing this book, I knew where it came from, but some of the writing that emerged while I was writing the book also shed a different light on things, I guess. But before we go into the book, I know on the last solo episode, I think I read out a one of my endorsements and I thought I'd read out a couple of more endorsements. So you get a flavour of what people who have read the book in advance, what they are saying. The first endorsement I'm going to read is from Gib Bullock, who is the author of The Entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of the Craig Birock Business Decelerator and Gib was on the podcast way back at episode 28 and this is what he has to say about leading beyond the numbers. At a time when the world seems obsessed with the impacts on business and society of artificial intelligence, along comes a book which reminds us of just how important it is to be human. Leading Beyond the Numbers is a fascinating and informative book, which advocates the latent potential of escaping the linear mind and tapping into the broader intelligence of our emotions and our bodies. It seems to relish the juxtaposition that it is written by a career accountant and the wit and tone of the book also challenge the traditional stereotypes of this noble profession. With this timely and enjoyable book, Susan Neacree makes a strong case for why we must urgently get more balance into the emotional balance sheet of corporations. And a second endorsement I'll read was from Greta Solomon, who is the author of that beautiful book, Heart, Sass and Soul, and Greta's a freelance journalist and was a featured guest on episode 80 of Life Beyond the Numbers, Why Do I Have to Fake It? Susan Nihriadon tackles the question of how to put more of ourselves into our work with a plum this well-researched book delves into the practical, personal and philosophical aspects of true leadership. But you won't just think differently after reading Leading Beyond the Numbers. You'll feel a sense of expansion. So they are two endorsements that I've received. It's wonderful to read these endorsements and to know that people saw in the book what I intended people to see. And amazingly enough, I had a conversation with one of the people who wrote an endorsement for me a couple of weeks after they had given me the endorsement. And what this person said to me was that while reading the book and reflecting on their own life, they knew that they needed to make changes to their life. They knew that their own personal balance sheet was not optimally balanced in their favour and how they wanted to live their life. And to get feedback like that before the book is even launched is incredible. And of course that's what I hope for people is that they see themselves in the book. Now I will read you an excerpt from the introduction. For centuries, a battle has raged between emotion and reason, leading us to value thinking over feeling and brain over body. That has resulted in many of us relying on and developing our cognitive intelligence, while diminishing our capacity to access and develop our other forms of intelligence. It isn't our fault. We were conditioned that way. Until as recently as the 1980s, Emotions were dismissed by many as insignificant, merely a nuisance or noise, and best ignored. Recent scientific development challenge conventional thinking on the intelligence of our bodies, including how emotions are made, what the primary role of emotion is, and most importantly for the workplace, how emotions influence our performance and profitability. I invite you to begin a journey with me and I want you to go beyond. By reading this book, you will be seeing the world through my lens, my interpretations, perspective and experiences. You bring your own set of experiences and meanings with you, your own lens. This lens enables you to go beyond what you read here to refute what I've written or reconsider things you might have previously taken for granted. A recognition. While I draw on the remarkable work of others, I ask you to keep an open mind as you read. I believe that knowing more about yourself, how your brain and body works is empowering and enables you to understand more about your own resources and resourcefulness. I've included a selection of concepts and theories that resonate with me. I've interpreted concepts in my own way and by drawing on some of my experiences. I've also included some insights and stories shared by Life Beyond the Numbers podcast guests. Perhaps one key to an open mind is in understanding how the brain works. This involves an understanding of how other parts of our body work too for the brain does not work in isolation. It is a part of your body, as much as your heart, gut, limbs and nose are. Yet we often speak of these parts in a disconnected way. They are siloed. And if you've ever worked in an organisation that was siloed, you know how utterly chaotic that can be and detrimental to communication, progress and results. When I joined the workforce, I was under the mistaken illusion that who I was at work and who I was outside of work were separate. There was no room for emotions or listening to my gut or heart. Yet I brought all of me to work every day. No wonder the battle between reason and emotion has raged for so long. It is inside every one of us and made our workplaces worse, not better, as we prioritised rational over emotional. Accountancy is what I did for many years. It is not me, who I am as a person. None of us are what we do. Our identity is much more than our job title. I hated being in a box, in a corner, defined by my profession, just the numbers person or the finance person. I am a human with fears, dreams, desires, wants and needs that some people couldn't or wouldn't see. There was always a tension between Susan the person and Susan the accountant. Perhaps if I'd felt free to integrate the two more, I'd still be working in the domain of accounting and finance. Perhaps not. Yet as my career moved beyond the numbers, I couldn't let them go. So I asked myself, what does accounting want from me? Maybe it wants me to question its fit for purpose in the world we live in today. Can it evolve? Without evolution in science and medicine, for example, would we be here today? Accountancy has evolved to deal with some of the complexities of the world and some of the corporate scandals. Is it time for further evolution? Advances in the sciences are fundamentally changing our understanding of the mind-body connection, how the brain works and the role of emotions. By challenging our traditional views of how we should be at work, the full value of our emotions could become clearer, which could lead to better decisions, interpersonal interactions and life overall. The challenge is the continued use of a rational lens to account for people's value. So there's a couple of excerpts from the introduction of the book. And I pick on a couple of things there. Obviously I talk about emotions and feelings and the workplace and what accountancy has to do with this. And the connection between accounting and emotions came from some years ago actually now. I studied a couple of courses at Oxford University, the adult education part and I I did some coaching courses there and I did a course on brain and behaviour and I became really interested through that on how the brain works and started to delve into different areas of neuroscience and I came across Lisa Feldman Barrett, and I listened to her TED, TEDx talks and she had this concept called body budgeting, which is basically how the brain controls the functioning of the body. And when she talks about body bu- budgeting, she uses all of this terminology that I suppose is better known in the domain of accounting and finance. And I found this very amusing (laughs) and actually became a little bit obsessed with it and wanted to take the metaphor even further. So in mid late 2020, I was asked to do a talk for a CPD talk for a group continued professional development. And I agreed the title of the talk as Accounting for Emotions. And this was the first time that I was bringing it to life, I suppose. (laughs) And I really didn't have enough research done. So I bought Lisa Feldman Barrett's book, How Emotions Are Made. And Emotional Agility by Susan Davis, and they're both excellent books. And out of those books, I really developed the concept for accounting for emotions. And I've refined that talk over the years. And one of the things I added to it, which always brings um, interest, I think, is. The slap from the Oscars when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock firmly on the mouth. And as Mike Tyson famously said, everyone has a plan until they get smacked in the mouth. But I started to develop the concept and with Chris Rock and Will Smith, I used the RULER framework, which I found from Mark Brackett's book, Permission to Feel, And RULER stands for recognising the emotion in you and others, understanding what is underlying here, labelling the emotion, so giving it a name, expressing the emotion appropriate to the circumstances that you are in, and regulating your emotional state. And that's what RULER stands for. or is for recognizing, U for understanding, L for labeling, E for expressing, and R for regulating. And I take the example of Chris Rock and Will Smith and walk through each of those R-U-L-E-R from both of their perspectives. Now, clearly, I don't really know what was going on for either of them. But isn't that the point? None of us really ever know what's going on in someone else's mind or body. We see the outer result of this inner world And I find that really, really fascinating. And talking about that takes, and I delve into that in the book, the fact that none of us ever really know what's going on for someone else. And that taking things at at face value isn't always the way to understand what's happening for people. And the best way of understanding is to ask them. The best way to understand what is going on for someone is to listen to what they have to say. And listening is without a doubt an underrated and underappreciated skill. But it is something we can all practice and get better at. So from doing these talks, reading these books and also incorporating a module of emotions into the leadership development training that Helen Joy and I delivered to middle managers, the concept grew and grew. And like I said, in the excerpt from the introduction, I was asking what accountancy wanted from me. And so there's this marriage of accounting and emotions. But throughout the book, there's also a reflection on my own life and my own disconnection from my feeling side, from the intelligence of my body and my emotions. And it was when I read the book, Cassandra Speaks, I know I've mentioned this book before, but Cassandra Speaks, When Women Are the Storytellers, The Human Story Changes by Elizabeth Lesser. And this book, along with Mark Brackett's book, Permission to Feel, were both like calls to action. (laughs) Because Mark Brackett asks you to join the emotion revolution. And and also, I guess, Elizabeth Lesser is saying, well, when women are the storytellers, The human story changes, so you've got to get out there and tell stories from our perspective. But the story that she told that really struck me most is this one. I was running a conference at Omega. Eve Ensler, the activist and playwright best known for the vagina monologues, and my partner in creating the early Women in Power conferences was speaking. I came from backstage and took my place among hundreds of other women as Eve spoke about a scar on her body, how she got it, what it meant to her and how she used its presence to remind her of the lessons she learned during a difficult time in her life. Then she asked us to close our eyes and think of a scar on our own bodies, to put our fingers on it and trace its contours as a way of remembering the stories embedded in our skin. How had it happened, Eve asked. What had we learned? What was the message in the tattoo? So when I read the book, I did this. I have a scar on my left elbow. I felt the scar on my elbow And in that moment, I began to cry. And I realised the influence that that had had on my life all the way to where I am today. And the reason, real reason probably, for writing this book. And I'm not sure I would have made that connection if it weren't for reading that book. So inspiration can come from so many different places and it's incredible how something can spark your thinking with an old story that you've carried with you all your life to becoming a new story. And the next excerpts I'm going to read for you are from chapter 6. I'm only human, not rational or emotional, but rational and emotional. I largely ignored the role of emotions or feelings in my life. They were there, but I didn't understand the importance of them. They often seemed inconvenient and best ignored. I took my body for granted and didn't know much about the needs of my body other than the basics. I still remember my first appointment with Steve Haynes. I was in my early 40s and living in Geneva. The first thing he said to me was, you are too young to live like this. As I lay on a table in his office, he asked me how I felt. I replied, I think I feel... He said something like, I didn't ask you what you thought. I asked you how you felt. How? do you feel? I didn't know what he meant by that. And more importantly, I didn't know how to describe what I was feeling. I began to tune into what my body was feeling. Then he asked me how my legs felt. Useless, I said. I didn't think about that response. It was how I felt. It was also news to me. Through working with Steve, we uncovered a likely root cause of this pain that I was feeling. When I was 11, I broke my elbow. Badly. I had to have two operations. In the first one, they failed to put me back together again. In the second, I had two pins inserted into my elbow to reattach the bones and more than 20 stitches. I spent about a week in hospital and a further six weeks with my elbow in a cast. When the cast came off, I couldn't straighten my arm out. It was locked at the elbow. I went through months of physiotherapy, which was extremely painful at times. Even now, almost 40 years later, I feel a shudder go through me just thinking about it. During the recovery period, the surgeon told me that if I ever broke my elbow again, I would lose the use of it permanently. That is quite a thing to be told as a child. I took it to heart. That message was meaningful to me. I made sure that I prioritised protecting my elbow. I embodied that protective mechanism. I began to look through the world with that lens. Steve explained the likelihood of what was going on for me like this. If you have a house alarm, it will usually sound when someone breaks in. However, my alarm was sounding when a leaf fell from the tree in my garden. The pain I was feeling in my back was down to my extra vigilant nervous system. It was seeing danger everywhere and doing its best to keep me protected. This account needed a refresh. The past was not going to change, but the future could. And that's just a couple of different excerpts from a story that's in chapter six. And it ties together the reason for writing this book, I guess, the importance of knowing how we feel and what our feelings mean because they influence our thinking and our behaviour, but also reconnecting to the intelligence of our bodies and what we are embodying because we shape ourselves to the world and the world shapes us. And all that from a scar and some memories And I guess in a workplace, when we see behaviours that we don't understand or when we behave in a way that we're not really very proud of, we don't always understand where that's coming from. And we're quick to judge ourselves and others. But we never really know what's going on for other people. But we can certainly understand our own behaviour and start to modify it, to live more freely, live with more integrity to who we are truly, to be ourselves and to be proud of who we are and how we show up in the world. And to allow ourselves that integration of mind and body. And to allow ourselves to understand ourselves completely, wholly, take our whole selves into account. And that is the other piece about account and accounting, taking something into account, because really all accounting is, is storytelling when we're giving an account of something, we're telling the story of it. And that is how I also married Accounting and Emotions. So there are just a couple of excerpts from my new book that I said is coming out in May. And that's the first time I've read anything aloud from them, which was really interesting to do makes me think about the audiobook. I have to look into that one. And also, other than the publishers and the endorsers and beta readers, you'll be the first people to have a glimpse of what's in the book. And before I wrap up, I wanted to read out one final endorsement And this one is from Ellen Leith, who is the founder of the Purchase to Pay Network. And Ellen was also on the podcast, Be in the Room, episode 107. Susan takes us on a wonderful journey through her past and by doing so provides insights into all of our futures and asks us to consider who we really are at work captivating and thoughtful look at what it means to balance the books of our lives, our bodies, minds, hearts and environment to determine what it means to be human. With stories, humour and anecdotes, Susan uses her life in finance and beyond to ask the big questions about life itself. I think that captures what we've just been doing. That brings us to the end of this solo episode. Thank you so much for listening. Do pre-order the book if you haven't already. (laughs) I actually haven't really talked about pre-ordering it before so you may well not have but please go ahead and pre-order the book. Like I said it's available on major booksellers and on Amazon. And in the meantime, I wish you and yours the very best wherever you are in the world. And I hope that you are being yourself. Until next time. Ciao. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.